Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's our big Logies wash-up, including a gate crasher causes wild scenes, the acceptance speech that's been blasted in court by a judge, and the inside word on where TV's biggest award ceremony will be next year. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. We'll meet the panel in just a moment, but first it was during this week in television history. Yes, we witnessed Australia's first ever Tats Lotto draw. The total prize pool was $168,000, which in today's money is almost $2 million. The draw was hosted by HSV7, but GTV9 wasn't about to lose ratings to the big game. They promoted heavily in the newspapers to still watch 9, and they'll give you the winning numbers by flashing them up on the screen. Hello and welcome to TV Black Box. I am Rob McKnight. Joining me tonight, we've got the fabulous David Robbo Robinson. Hello, David. Hello there. Happy television, everyone. <laughs> Happy television. Malk, the mulkiest Malk of them all. Hello, Malk. Uh, how? Sure. Hello. <laughs> that was an old callback from many episodes ago. Philip Kosh, the magazine writer for The Stars, to The Stars and About The Stars. Hello, Philip. Thanks. Um, hi, Rob. <laughs> and I want to tell The Stars. <laughs> and the delightful and exquisite Sarah Monaghan is still in the country. We can't get rid of her. She's like a bad smell hanging around. Hello, Sarah. Yes. Wow. I'm very much enjoying the smelly parts of Sydney, walking around rediscovering it. <laughs> we love having you here. And I've got to say, I listened to the podcast last week. Great job, of course. No, no surprises there. But I didn't get to say my own little goodbye to Aaron Ryan, who's been a big part of TV Black Box for the last few years, a great member of the podcast. Um, I'm very fond of Aaron, sad to see him go, but sometimes the little birds just have to leave the nest and fly away and do their thing. But Aaron, thank you very much for everything you've done. We really do appreciate it and wish you nothing but success. Let's get into it. And we begin with some breaking news. And Channel 10 News is set for more changes as news director Anthony Murdoch is leaving suddenly. The news was broken just before 5pm in an email to staff by Martin and Rochelle, head of broadcast and digital news strategy, which said, It is with sadness that we share with you the news that Anthony Murdoch is leaving us. We accepted Bug's resignation yesterday and are sure you'll all join us in wishing him all the very best. Rob, this is... One of the big personalities in the 10 newsroom who keeps that engine going. It really does, Rob. Bug is a wonderful man. He loves news. He understands news and he understands production. I also thought that one of Bug's greatest uh, strengths was understanding 10's weaknesses, but making them better. 
Uh, so, you know, Bug knew that he didn't have the budgets of seven and nine, but he made it work and he just was, I don't know, I, I, the word I think of is electricity in that newsroom. He was mm. passionate about what he did. He had respect of everyone, journalists, producers, graphics, audio, everyone. And I think that is such a massive loss for that newsroom. If you think about experience and passion, wow, I, I really think they're going to find a hole there for a long time. Bug was fantastic. And I worked with Bug, you know, with my dealings with Studio 10, and he was such a wonderful support and would always give advice but when you needed it and he knew when you needed it. Right. And it was that that is such a lovely thing for for him and I think a lot of people would uh, echo my sentiments there. Uh, well done bug and you'll sorely be missed. Yeah, and good luck the Channel 10 newsroom. We don't know who's taking over his role as news director. He took over from John Chefetti. He worked under John uh, under Chuff. Um it's a it's a tough gig because there are no resources you are scrimping everything together to be able to get an hour and a half bulletin to air. And don't forget, the Sydney News Bulletin does too. It does Queensland and New South Wales and has to pre-record the Queensland one, uh, sections of it at four o'clock. Melbourne is doing Adelaide and Melbourne. And I think the Sydney one is the one that does Perth as well, but that's later and they can do that live. that's correct. And as we're about to talk about, Rob, now have a bit to do in the mornings too. Yes, indeed, but we'll get to that in a moment. But first of all, let's talk Logies, because after a two-year hiatus due to COVID, the Logies returned to the Gold Coast on Sunday night and delivered great ratings for Channel 9. The Logies red carpet managed an overnight rating of 826,000, while the main event pulled in 885,000 in the five-cap cities. It was a solid production, but failed to provide the showmanship or sizzle of previous years, and I don't mean the last few years, I mean a long time ago. Although those attending the ceremony seemed genuinely thrilled to have the Logies back. The opening number by Julia Morris didn't seem to hit with those in the room, and new executive producer Melinda Zara seemed to be painting by numbers on a format established years ago by those who came before her. And that means it was all fine. Nothing special, just fine. The Hall of Fame tribute package for Bruce McAvaney was a highlight, but the lack of any real recognition for Neighbours, which had just concluded production, was simply outrageous. Throwing a half-baked montage in as part of another award does not cut it. If the Logies can't celebrate the success of a show finishing after 37 years, then exactly what is the point of the Logies and its celebration of the Australian television industry? But worse, dividing the in-memoriam segment into the haves and have-nots was an absolute farce, showcasing only some people who had passed on over the three years since the last Logies, and then telling viewers to go to the website to see the others was beyond the pale. How dare you determine who is good enough to be included in the on-air section and who gets shafted to the leftover section on the web. Poor, poor form. But despite those two moments, overall it was a reasonable enough production with some wonderful moments, including when Paddy Newton delivered an emotional tribute to Burt. While his tribute package was also lacking, her speech and Hamish Blake being the first winner of the Burt Newton Award for Most Popular Presenter, well, that was just wonderful. Sarah, what did you think of the Logies? I thought it was fantastic. I know people like to shit on the Logies, um, but everyone just... I do just, not like to shit on the Logies. I support I know you don't. You and I are both Logies supporters. Everyone just looks so happy and so excited. And I think that having not had the Logies for a couple of years made people actually appreciate what it was. And, you know, like, yeah, it's the... 
the media coming together and patting each other on the back, but it's also the night that you get to go out and you get to talk to people from other networks, people who live in, you know, other cities. I mean, I looked back because I went to the Logies in 91, 92, so it was 20 years ago, and I tried to find footage of what it was 20 years ago, and I'll share it with Sorry, Twitter Sarah, because it do you is... Mean, do, you, do you mean 30 years ago, sweetheart? I mean, I don't <laughs> want to age you, but... Uh... <laughs> 20 years ago was 2002, my dad. Oh, I guess. <laughs> so 30 years. Wow. Yep. yep. Wow. I'm fucking We have fun old. here. We have fun. You look beautiful. Yes. Okay. So Everyone's fun. It's all thank fun. You, it's thank you for fun. giving me another 10 years on my life. Um, <laughs> Robo, you old man. So, yes, a long, long, long time ago. And um, we certainly, like, we make fun of that it's not that splashy. But if you look at the footage from... Actually, Magda Zubansky did the opening for it way back then. It was, it's come a long way. I'll just say that. Look, from a, um, there at the event, the red carpet was really well done. The organisation of it was really, really well done. But Robbo, to me, what it missed is a visionary producer. And I don't mean to be mean to the person who did it this year. This person has been involved in the Logies in previous years as a producer, stepped up to the EP role. But when she steps back and says, what was my great contribution to the Logies? I don't know that she'll be able to answer that. I think it's time the networks went, let's bring in a big entertainment producer who can really bring us something special. Neighbours, for example... I'm not pi- no no I'm not pitching myself Mark. No 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 I know. I'm not pitching myself. They would never give it to me as much as I would desperately love to do it. I'm putting that to the side. Get someone who has a vision, understands the industry and can actually do a neighbor's tribute. I don't know. Try something crazy. Try and get Kylie and Jason there and make international headlines. At least put the cast up on the stage to say farewell. Robbo. Do, do you know the thing is I think it, with in producing the Logies is that you have tried and I think they've tried for many many years to bring in someone to modernize the Logies. No, the they Logies haven't. can't be they haven't brought in. Who have they brought in that said, I've got a vision for the Logies? I'm not. I, sorry. One second, Rob. Just let me get out my whole point here. What I'm suggesting is, is that there's always been this idea of bringing the Logies to, to modern times, uh, making them uh, be watchable to a lot of people. What I, my point is, I think they haven't done that. What they need to do is get some legacy producers in television who have been there for a long time who love it. Yes. Um, the Logies yes. don't have producers who love television. Correct. And you can see that and you've seen that for years and years yep. and years. Um, what we need is either new people who have a genuine love for Australian television, and one of those people I'm going to say is, of course, uh, Matthew Russell, who loves television. There are a lot of people out there, but they love the, the entire history of television. That's what it needs. They've tried to do something where it is modern or where it's different or where it's like the Golden Globes or the Emmys. That's not working and it hasn't worked for ages. And I think they've tried that for a good 20 years. What they need to do is go back to the magic, the nostalgia, and dare I say it, the kitsch of Australian television. Australian television is not the same as America. It's not the same as the UK. Uh, so stop trying to make it as if it is. True. Um, the Logies are amazing. Uh, are an amazing get-together for all the people in the industry. I think it's time to celebrate what Australian television is, and I think that's what we keep missing the mark mm. with the Logies. There are people who understand the business of television. They don't understand the magic of Australian television. Mm. Malk, 
the first thing anyone will say is, what are you talking about? Channel 9 got a 42% share, it rated 860,000. You guys are up your own ass. You haven't got a clue what you're talking about. I thought it was a solid production. It just wasn't extraordinary. And I think there were some fatal flaws. It's such an interesting position that we find ourselves in with the Logies because I agree wholeheartedly with Robbo. I think that we need to lean in a little more. And and what what the Logies needs is someone who loves the magic of television and particularly Australian television. That's what's lacking. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that the broadcast on Sunday was fine and that's its most fatal error. Yeah. It was just fine. There was no searing moment like high sort of everything was amazing. There were beautiful moments with Bruce McAvaney's Hall of Fame acceptance speech with Paddy introducing and then giving Hamish Blake the, the Burt Newton Award. All of that lovely. But it wasn't a searing high. It wasn't mm. a big, big moment. At the same time, there was no real car crash that everyone could bitch and moan about and say things sure. were horrible. Yep. There were some lovely matchups. There were some great jokes here and there. Yep. Sam Pang, it is still beyond me how that guy hasn't been nominated for a gold Logie, probably because he's in everybody's camp and not just in one camp. Um, he he and Chrissy Swan can host anything as far as I'm concerned. Next. Uh, the... The difficulty is it is still a program with a finite audience and a finite runtime. I, without wanting to, to, and it still went 38 minutes late. Like, come on, friends. It's not like um, the Oscars. It goes two hours late. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think that was too bad. Well, I mean, the, the Oscars have had, they've had its moments. It's not the longest overrun for the Logies, but at the same time, it was also nowhere near the highest rating Logies. This was, I think, the third lowest um, in Logie's history. So yeah, that's not Yeah, but you know what? Nine's still got a 42% share and television audiences have diminished. I think an yeah, overnight rating of 860,000 in the five-cap city, I think that's a good result. I- I'm going to give them that. this is the challenge. This is the challenge of share versus actual eyeballs. A share makes it sound so much better than it was. But you can't keep comparing to 20 years ago because no, no show on television can't. is getting the eyeballs that it did 20 years ago. The lowest two were the two immediately prior to COVID. We can compare them to that. This was the Logie's big comeback special, for lack of a better, and they came back to nothing. Um, I I do want to hold you to account, Rob. I think that you are being overly harsh about the in memoriam. No. Because especially every year they have to cut people out and they don't include people. Whether it's an oversight or it's an intentional. Don't do it or just do one of talent. Rubbish, Rob. You cannot not do it. So, hang on, someone works in the industry for 30 years and sure. some producer decides they're not worthy of a mention on the broadcast because we've got to cut yep. it out for time. You either do it right or you don't do it at all. Hang on, what's doing it right, Rob? Doing it right is including everyone who has contributed to the industry. Yeah, I, I, look, sorry, Mark. I've got to agree with Rob on this one. This is really big. Um, mm. I've worked with a lot of people across television who uh, who don't know Kerry ann or they don't know Graham Kennedy sure. or they don't know... Uh, Jane Turner, um, and I think that's a big problem. So when you've got young producers, which more and more these kind of big productions employ because they're cheap, uh, don't know the people, so they automatically make a decision that they're not included. I, I think Sure, but it's not a, a single producer that makes that decision. I think Absolutely, uh, you know, the in memoriam is a decision by committee because it has to be. I agree. 
but they did another three minute package on the website. Yeah. Just do a six I, minute package in the in the thing. Make yeah. it the, the the performance was amazing. The way they did it was fantastic. Mm. On point. I'm quoted in our Tim blog, was in excellent. the live blog I was doing, saying, this is brilliant, this is brilliant. And then at the end, my world came crashing down when I saw that. For more, go to the website. And I'm like, hang on, am I understanding this right? They're, they've left people out that have been shafted to the website. That is the greatest insult ever. Yeah, I saw I three people who've been associated with Hey Dad in the bit that went to air, and I haven't gone to the website yet to see how many more there were. And I wonder sure. how many people from other shows, you know, didn't realise someone had died or they're like, oh, yeah, you know, mm. it tugs at my heart. But it's like then, you know, how many more that you knew and were friends with weren't mentioned? I don't, I don't want to labour this. Every other year people are not included, and at least this year they had the capacity to be able to say, and here are the others, or here are extra people that we couldn't fit in for time. Rob, you are an executive producer that has run live television. It already ran 38 minutes uh, over. You make I decisions. I acknowledge it might be only... Make th- you do the make right decisions. decisions. They made a decision, and it was by the wrong their decision. estimates it was the right one. I'll tell you what. If I was the head of Channel 9, I'd be firing someone over that because that was the wrong decision. That was insulting and besmirches the reputation of anyone that's screwed over on that package. No one is going to watch on the website. You have tarnished their reputation and they'd be turning over in their graves. I the find it EP's absolutely head appalling. is the one on the chopping block, no question. They're the one that ultimately says yes or no to how stuff goes. Without prolonging it, we'll just have to profoundly disagree on whether on that whether or not they did it. Philip, I want to ask you a question. In I think it was last week's episode, we talked about the fact that Tom Gleason didn't make for good magazine fodder as the Gold Logie winner. Will Hamish Blake write the ship? Oh, uh, look, he's not a huge seller for magazines. Um, to be honest, uh, not even with his wife on his arm. Oh, uh, he. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> there was there was a recent cover of Hamish and his wife, and I, I believe it didn't sell that well. Um, I did love Husey's joke, by the way. <laughs> you, you guys remember that in the intro that um, that Zoe Foster Blake is so rich that he can play with Lego all day. Yeah. <laughs> See, whereas joke. I think that the place that the Logies missed out was unlike the American ones, where they have the full red carpet experience, and they did it very briefly with David Campbell, who is always amazing. But it's like they could have gone the American route. Like there was twenty people or more on that red carpet, each doing stuff Stream on Instagram live. and Twitter. Broadcast Str- it live. Yeah, do it, at least have it online because yeah. to me that's the bit like when you watch Fashion Police or any of those shows in the States, that is the Agreed. event. Nobody gives a shit didn't about the awards. Honey cover it live? Uh, look, maybe you're right. They didn't promote it well enough because I was not aware of any live. I asked on Twitter earlier who was doing it and they said it'll come up at like 6.30 and they were busy playing the football. Like I hate football I can't to begin guess with. Who it's all. Well, it's not going to be broadcast live. I can promise that because nine have football commitments. It could go on to an alternate Side channel, channel, nine gem or whatever. Um, but I think that nine honey covered it live, certainly. But that's that's a, a beside the point. Well done, Rob, on your coverage. And congratulations to Matthew, who helped you run the red carpet there. And to Abby Mickelson, uh, superstar producer to the stars, <laughs> Dave Robbo and myself, hiding away in various parts of the country, trying to make it all go and get it up with Band-Aids and string. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Look... There are a few tidbits I, I want to mention. I know we spent a lot of time on Logies, but I want to quickly say 
the event was a really well done event. Um, Riser coming, I think it's Riser coming in and 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 taking over the event. I thought they did an amazing job. The red carpet was seamless and smooth. Um, by all accounts, the event itself was fantastic. I just thought it didn't have that big picture idea. Um, but the the big question is where will the Logies be held next year? The contract with Queensland government and the Logies ran out at midday on Monday, so now the rebidding begins. I have been speaking to sources within the Queensland government, and I can tell you that they are talking to their partners. They are very keen to keep it. They say it's worth sixty million dollars in promotion, and mm. they want to keep Queensland Screenland. So that is from within the Queensland government. Um, I've got a slide story here about a gate crasher at an after party. So there was this guy who has worked in the industry, drove down from Brisbane, dressed in a tux, crashed an after party full of executives that had sacked him, allegedly. Wow. (laughs) So was this you? And he spent... The time they're pretending he was back working at this certain channel's party that he gate crashed. They Amazing. escorted him out, and then they, when they all started going to other parties, he was there hiding in the bushes and trying to bail them all up again. So did you get arrested for that? Uh, I, well, I don't think he was doing anything untowards in the uh, bushes, but I love a little bit of Logie's gossip like, like that. Rob, and that's all who in the Guess about? Who Don't Sue section. We obviously need to acknowledge that today... Rob McKnight, that's who. Who was he talking about? That, that's what everyone listening to this... Right now, I, I'm not a psychic, but I'll say right now, every single person mm. at this moment is going, who's he talking about? Rob well, there's obviously a reason I'm not saying it, because it could be defamatory and, you know... Mm. I have to be... There's some things you have to be careful of. Um, it's only defamatory if he didn't do it. You haven't lived until you've been rejected from a Logie's party and I've been rejected <laughs> from the <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll also quickly Phillip. mention that today beats Sunrise. Obviously, the will Carl be off his chops interest factor. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I watched of course, it. Lisa Wilkinson is in some very serious trouble now because of her Logie's acceptance speech. The judge over the uh, Brittany Higgins alleged rape trial um, has has really torn her to shreds um, because she was actually given a warning apparently over delivering a speech at the Logies about Brittany Higgins days before she accepted an award, before she accepted the award because we know the project won best news coverage. Um, the new, news.com.au reports ACT Chief Justice Lucy McCallum vacated the trial dates of Bruce Lerman, who is accused of raping Brittany Higgins in March 2019, after his defence team requested a temporary stay in the wake of the speech and surrounding publicity. Uh, the judge said, the recent publicity of the speech does, in my view, change the landscape because of its immediacy, its intensity and its capacity to obliterate the important distinction between an allegation that remains untested at law. For those reasons, regrettably, and with gritted teeth, I've concluded that the trial date of 27 June towards which the parties have been carefully steering must be vacated. So having been through this myself, um, I think it's, on the one hand, it's amazing that she won the award for that interview because it's so important that we've done that. But at the same time, 
Lisa gave that speech to the DPP and the DPP said, we are not speechwriters. We can't edit your speech for you. What they should have said is do not say it or the court should have put a suppression order on her saying anything about it before the case if they thought that this was what going to be the outcome is. So, like, mm. to me, the whole thing is just Well, the judge conc- actually said she made a mistake in not putting a suppression order on this case. So, like, I feel horrible for all the parties involved because it sucks every time that your court date is blown out every time and then you know like because if it does go he'll claim and if 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 britney wins he'll claim an appeal saying you know it's a tainted jury um and if it waits you know then hopefully you know they can't claim that like robert tried to claim it in our case that you know the jury was tainted and the judge said it's not um so it really just sucks for everybody and i don't think that there was any like they couldn't not accept the award they couldn't you know say we don't want to be nominated for the award no of course Um, not she just needed to say look Thank you for this award. It's before the courts. I can't say anything. I'm just proud of the incredible work our team did in bringing you this story. That's all she had to say. That would have been much better, I think. Mm. Yeah, perfect world. Uh, This should not make any difference uh, in the way the legal system works, but it does. Uh, Look, I want to be sarcastic here for a minute. Lisa Wilkinson, she's only new to media. She doesn't understand (laughs) things like this. Um, She hasn't worked. Oh, no, that's right. She has been here for years and years and years. I, like everyone, want to see justice served um, Mm. and it has to be within the system because that's the system we're working with, all right? That's what it has to be. Uh, I believe that Lisa Wilkinson, I think ego got in the way on Sunday night. I think it had to be brought back to Lisa. It had to be brought back to the project and they cannot... They just cannot help themselves. Um, and I think that was the problem. Rob, I agree with you in the respect of it should have been, you know, this is a great award for us. We accept the the, uh, the award. We wish we could say more. We can't right now. That's powerful, but yeah. it's not as ego feeding. And that's what we saw mm. on Sunday night. It was all about ego and it was not about the case and it was not about Brittany Higgins. Oh, no, look, I, I just uh, I shake my head about the Brittany Higgins thing. Um Anyone that's a journalist and has dealt with contempt court issues before, and most people have to, it's a really serious thing. It's a really scary thing. You can go to jail. I, I, I don't know that you ever roll the dice and hope for the best when it's contempt of court, and that appears to be what happened here, yeah. particularly with, you would imagine, all the advice and the toing and froing beforehand. So uh, I, I was gobsmacked by that. All right, well, that's the Logies. We'll move on to other topics in just a moment when TV Black Box, the podcast, continues, including the ABC putting out content warnings. We'll give you all the ratings goss from the last seven days and go back in time to find out what the plus seven figures are. And we'll also find out what everyone's been watching over the past week. You are listening to TV Black Box, the podcast. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, the ABC is airing classic programs to celebrate 90 years on air. 
but with the classics comes a content warning. Viewers of Parkinson in Australia were subject to a disclaimer reading, the following program expresses attitudes that are not consistent with current standards and may offend some viewers. The disclaimer has caused controversy with people claiming it is another example of cancel culture, unable to identify what the offensive content was in the PG-rated talk show. An ABC spokesman told the Daily Mail Australia that the use of warnings before content of this nature is consistent with the ABC's editorial policies. Um, Phil, TV Black Box certainly needs a content warning before anybody watches this, you know, whether it's a McKnight rant or a Robbo's rant <laughs> raving. Um, <laughs> I like that. Or a Mulk meltdown. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Thanks, Ben Fordham. <laughs> uh, well, I, I Phil, think the ABC should thank Ben, ben Fordham for making this such a big issue because... Well, we all know these things are on iView now. I'm going to take a look. We all want to have a look now. I can't imagine what Ida Buttrose, the chair of the ABC, said in a Parkinson interview that put warrants a warning, but God knows. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, Kerry Packer, Paul Hogan interviews. These are the things that all have warnings. Yes, all these people lived in the 70s and the 80s. They probably said inappropriate things. We all thought differently there and... I don't know, just a storm in a teacup. Of course the ABC is going to put that warning on on these sort of shows. They have to. That That's part of that's exactly what. But, Philip, Philip, you, you haven't seen these programs first run, though, have you? you cause you're too, <laughs> oh, come on. You're too Mate, young. Mate, saw to, them on the said, replays as well. <laughs> I, I so was suckled on Parky's teeth. That's so let's I'm... make this out. Tonight, Robbo has said that Sarah's 10 years older and that <laughs> Philip is too young to have seen Parkinson first run. Anyway. Thank um, you, Robbo. Look, the uh, the the interesting thing for mine, uh, Rob, is that look, it's 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 a few seconds of whatever. Who cares? You I'm going to agree with you, Mark. Some b- outrage over nothing. I actually, there's some things I get worked up about. This is not one of them. I don't care if it makes the ABC feel better. Go f- fill your boots. And the real interesting thing is, it's not just the ABC episodes of Parkinson when he was in Australia. They've actually gone and either bought or have gained the access to when. Parkinson. He then did it. So I think it was on Channel Ten back in the day. Oh. A whole bunch of them. So there's like 170 episodes of him doing his interviews, and and the ones particularly that he didn't do on the ABC have imported guests. They brought people out from the UK and the US to sit alongside Aussies on the, you know, talking to Parky. Uh, and look, I can guarantee you, some of those views will not be kosher today. <laughs> And he only did Parkinson in Australia because he was a cricket fan, right? Yeah, every year he would come out. <laughs> he'd get a spot down on North Head somewhere in there or south, around, you know, Bondi or whatever. Go and watch the cricket. And he'd say, he'd do it as a tax write-off and do some work, Sarah. <laughs> I figure they're just doing it to cover their bases because there's so many lazy journalists now who do entire articles about one person on Twitter was upset about something. So just slap up a two-second warning and cover your bases. Well, it's not even covering yeah, your bases. There is content in those interviews that are opinions that are not kosher today. Okay, but they're old. But get, like, but, get over it. In your opinion. Mate, yes, it's but, not but, even but, in my I, opinion. I can promise you. 
But I think that the ABC has to be careful with this and they're doing the right thing. Mm. Uh, remember, everyone seems to forget in all these articles that one of the first people or the first streaming services to do it was Disney+. Plus. Yes, correct. They were the first people to come across and say, Peter Pan, the Aristocats, all of those kind of things. I think even uh, The Lion look, King, Robbo. That, yeah, yeah. So there are some of these shows. We're still going to play them. We're not going to take them off. We're not going to delete them. But just remember they were from a different time. So you could have, yeah. like... It doesn't matter where a show is set, whether it's set in a sushi restaurant, whether it's set at Disney, it doesn't matter. Wherever it is, you just have to remember that if it was back in the day, there might be some things and that's okay. Look, at the end of the day, I would rather have a content warning and have the program than have an edited version yes. or worse, Taken off. no program exactly. at all. Exactly. Agreed. All right, yep. moving on. And TV Black Box, yes, good old TV Black Box, has revealed Network 10 is heading back into the breakfast TV market. A new half-hour bulletin will replace the 8 to 8.30am block of Studio 10. However, unlike its rivals, it will just be a straight news broadcast. This will be the third attempt in 10 years that the network has entered the competitive time slot. The first was Breakfast, followed by Wake Up. Both programs lasted less than a year. Um, Robbo... This is neither here nor there, really. This is not a major move. It's using existing resources. No one's... They're not losing any people. Uh, they're not putting any it's people 30 on. 30 minutes. They're literally just using the Studio 10 crew to deliver an extended update, which they were doing at 8.30 anyway. Yeah, that's right. You know what would be great, though? Uh, and I don't know if 10's got this in them anymore, but uh, in 2013, 2014, they were doing the late news. They had uh, Hamish mm. on there as well. They were doing... Um, you know, a music performance at the end of it. Yep. It was something very different um, that was working as their late news. And I believe that 10 Late News is probably one of the most famous bulletins in that area for a long time. For sure. Yes, we had Nightline. Yes, we had 7 Late. But it was 10, 10's Late News with Sandra Sully for a long time that really kind of kicked in. And then when Hamish, they tried to do something differently by having the news. They had a lot of interviews and they had music performances. I really liked it. Their acoustic was great. It was something different. What I'm going to say here for this 8 to 8.30 is that it's redone news stories from the day before. That's fine, whatever. You know, most news services do that. However, those news services, for example, 7 Early News, is uh, that's broadcasting at, what, 5, 5.30 yep. in the morning. Uh, and then we're getting new stuff during sunrise. This is now at 8 o'clock. I, you know, people might have... Yeah, but they can a, do a cross to a reporter. It won't feel as stale as... It won't feel stale like you well, think it will. the proof will be in the pudding. fresh. The proof will be yeah. in the pudding. They will have to show I agree, us. but they're going to have... Basically, they'll do the news headlines in the first segment. They'll cross to a couple of reporters that are assigned to do that anyway. The second segment, they'll probably, um, I think that's where they're going to have a feature interview with some topic of the day and have an expert that can talk to it. Segment three is your sports. Segment four is your weather. Then you're into Studio 10. So, like, this again. isn't anything major. Straight news service could work. I love the and idea. maybe if they start to see an uplift, they'll just say, you know what, we're going to run news For from 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah. and uh, maybe put some resources in. They're not going to do another breakfast for show. They're out of that market. There's no desire. But you've got to remember people running newsrooms want to be making news and this is a way that 10 head honchos get to say, well, it's not going to cost us anything. Do it. And the people hosting Studio 10 do less, a half hour less because they're already doing like 23 hours a day. We are literally nanoseconds away from any of the commercial freeway broadcasters giving us a 24-hour news channel. They basically could do so it close. now. Um, Robbo, are you saying... Just the rumblings to, are out there. Yeah, yeah. Just to jump back, Robbo, where you were talking about the, the late news, uh, the, the reworked one that had Hamish at the front of it, the music act and stuff, are you saying that was news done differently? Oh, I was... You know what? I almost went to say that and I, I was going to explode See, and vomit in my mouth. 
I think it's great <laughs> that they're going to have a half hour in the morning without an infomercial. This could be for you. Well, after we exclusively revealed back in February that Million Dollar Island was coming to seven, the host has now been announced. Former soldier and marine and host of SAS Australia, Ant Middleton, will front the show which sees 100 people on a remote desert island vying for a chance to win $1 million. While full broadcast details are yet to be confirmed, it is thought to be up against Nine's Married at First Sight in 2023. Meanwhile, Seven wasn't the only network announcing a new show in the past week, with Nine dropping the news of Grown Up Love, hosted by radio and television presenter Kate Langbrook. This was yet another TV Black Box exclusive back in February as well, though it was under a different name of My Mum, Your Dad. Produced by ITV Studios, Grown Up Love sees parents re-enter the daunting modern dating world in a second chance at finding love. Phil, I saw a promo for this at Nine's Logie's Recovery Brunch, the the brunch they had. It was you that snuck in. I was still there from the Channel 7 party the night before Um, (laughs) on the floor. Um, I've got to say their promo for the Australian version doesn't seem to be leaning into the kids making the decisions like the US promo does. I think they're missing a trick. Uh, the, The Aussie promo didn't get me in, I've got to say, what they presented there. I hope they, when they actually launch this thing, we see the kids making these decisions because if you see the American promo of this, it's hilarious and you're in. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking more tearjerker with a show like that. Surely the, it being Australian television will be all about the backstory and the tragedy that led to the date, no? I think that will definitely be part of it, but it's also meant to be a bit of fun and you get interesting moments <clears throat> where um, the kids determine what happens on the day. And maybe at the moment Nine are being very coy. Maybe they're still shooting it. I, I maybe don't they're know. still getting the so rights. Th- th- they've got the rights. I think what they're doing maybe is if they haven't shot it yet, they don't want the- everyone participating to know the setup. And yeah, the setup right. is that the parents go on dates, but the kids are watching these dates. So the kids of each parent are watching these dates and they're setting up things and making things happen, like turn on the sprinklers because I want to get him out of, away from my <laughs> yeah. mum, you know, things like that. Gosh. So there is a real comedic element and, and and especially if one kid thinks that the other's parent isn't good enough for their parent, you know. So there's all these, the, you've got, the yes, the emotion of what's happening with the actual dates and the backstories, but you've also got the fun moments of the kids controlling the dates. It, it actually works on multiple levels. You sell it a lot better than nine, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. <laughs> I think the only thing that makes, whether they're going to call it Grown Up Love or My Mum, Your Dad, I think they've missed out on the opportunity because it really should be called The Flatulent Bachelor, um, it <laughs> is... Oh. <laughs> The only thing that makes that work. I rule that out of order. Out of whatever. Out of order. The only thing that makes it work is the kids. If the kids aren't involved, will play a lesser role than the American version that the, its goose is cooked. Um, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Because uh, otherwise, it's just an old bachelor, as you say. I don't rate Kate Langbrook as a host. I don't think she'll do a fine. Oh, I, I think do. at best she'll be the voiceover. If she does anything more than that, it's not going to be very good. Oh, I um, like. Oh, I like her. Look, she might be very lovely. I just don't rate her. When was the last time we saw Kate Langbrook host anything? I, rest I my actually case have a wrong. feeling she'll be brilliant, but I don't know. And she may I, well I be, and I will happily eat humble pie if that is the case. You know, I will uh, remind uh, you Mal, of this when I'm right. Mal, can I can I say what will 
be bad for her. I think someone like Kate Lambrook is really good at reactionary stuff, at putting mm. her in there with the kids, yes. at putting her in there with the parents. That's, and thinking on that's her feet. where she will be brilliant. If they do yeah. what everyone seems to do now is overproduce the shit out of it her. It will be so highly edited. Well, yep. and, that, and that's the problem because I think she is great on her feet. And I think that you're right. Given the opportunity, that might make it work, but that's not what it's going to be. Yeah, we yeah. know what this is going to yeah. be. Yeah, I know. And that's going to be it. Yeah. To quickly jump back to Million Dollar Island, I think getting Ant Middleton as the host only reinforces my view that there are going to be dead bodies <laughs> hidden on that island. Um, that hey, is just, on, he's, on that, on oh, that Mark, he actually said in an interview, think Hunger Games meets Lost. Jesus. Can I just point out that there were... 1,744 dead bodies in Hunger mm. Games, okay? But yes. Through the book. They I were like stabbed, the they were Philip. slashed, they were impaled, <laughs> they were stunned, yep. they were poisoned. I think if he's right, this is my show. Yeah. I Mate, if I had the opportunity. Reality TV stars if, everywhere. If I had the chance to win a million dollars and all I had to do was set up some some tiger traps to take the the competition out, I would do it in a heartbeat. I am concerned with Ant Middleton as host. He doesn't come in with a great reputation, independent of how Seven are keen to kind of sort of whitewash that. That hasn't translated to Australia. No, I know, but that doesn't mean he didn't do it. UK blow up, but didn't really hit here, mate. That doesn't mean he didn't do it, and that doesn't mean he hasn't done it here. Maybe he hasn't, and that's wonderful if he hasn't. But certainly it's more than just... Uh, there are not even allegations that he's you know, hit on inappropriately crew members and cast um, and acted inappropriately with, you know, uh, a bouncer. There's an issue where he's apparently body slammed someone outside a nightclub or whatever. Look, it, it's it's just behaviour that you don't want to have, even in a tabloid a scenario. I mean, come on. He wasn't a bouncer. <laughs> he did it to a bouncer. No, and that's what I'm saying. He's bouncers, a, mate, come on. He bounced, and if the bouncer, bouncer got hurt or died, Middleton's going to jail. There's no bouncers hurt people all the bouncers time. Bouncers are a law unto themselves. Okay, they got well, We're not getting into this political game. All I'm saying <laughs> is that I think that Ant Middleton comes with uh, his damaged goods, and I don't think that, despite what Seven want to do, I don't think it's necessarily going to help, but I am keen to see Million Dollar Island nonetheless. Uh, I'll tell you the other thing that Nine showed. Uh, I mean, they did a big presentation of what's coming up for the back half of this year and what's in the works, but I wasn't really aware of After the Verdict but they showed a promo for it, and i got to say, I'm in. It looks really, really good. This and, is their new drama. Uh, this is their new drama after the verdict, and basically the setup is uh, jurors do the court case. Oh. I guess it's a murder. The person's found not guilty, and then they start, they're bored, they're living their boring lives and start to get an inkling something's not quite right and start reinvestigating the murder. This sounds. I know it's not the same, but I think that Nine have missed their boat by not getting it out ahead of Foxtel's The Twelve, which is again the backstory of behind the jurors and what's going on there. So that, right. I appreciate it's a slightly different take, and one's a, a you know a remake, and one's an original, you know Australian product. And, and this is a murder mystery uh, with a bit of um, fun. Anyway, we'll see. It looked good in the promo. I'm sure those promos will start Can going to it? soon. Oh, more Aussie drama, please. Mm. Every moment, more Aussie drama. Well, sadly, this week we said goodbye to a true Australian television legend. You'd know Carol Ray from countless roles in both film, but especially TV. From the Mavis Bramston show to Graham Kennedy's Blankety Blanks, Carol Ray was a true star. Here she is talking about getting a spot on Graham's popular show. Some years back, I got a call from my agent who said, look, um, Channel 10 are going to be doing 
a game show and they wondered if you would like to come along and be in the pilot and I said well I, I don't know I'm not really into doing game shows but uh, tell me about it so my agent said well I can't tell you a lot except Graham Kennedy is going to present it and that sort of might make it fun so I thought well yes I'd never met Graham Kennedy although I'd seen and admired him from afar so um, nothing ventured nothing gained off I went Graham did all the work we fell about and laughed a lot and as were shown in the pilot to management they had a success on their hands because subsequently we did go to series and audiences laughed just as much as we did. Well Carol would spend nine months on the show before having to stop to travel with the theatre production but it was the Mavis Brampton show that first put her on the map when that show actually went up against Graham Kennedy's in Melbourne tonight. Business about the contraceptive pill and they pop this fertility one on us. It's all so confusing. The only thing to do is, before you go to bed, take one of each. <laughs> <laughs> well, only a week ago she was appointed a member of the Order of Australia in the Queen's birthday honours list. From producing to acting and presenting, she truly was one of the greats. Carol Ray, dead at 99. Philip, you just don't see stars like this anymore, do you? Uh, you, you don't, and unfortunately I'm old enough to remember her from Blank v Blanks, and she was always a, a class oh, act. No. Um, mm. Sorry, Robbo. Uh, <laughs> what? Wait, what? I, I, I thought you I, were 20. <laughs> I did. Look, I was reading. I didn't realise how extraordinary she was until I was doing a little bit of reading today. She not only starred in Number 96, she helped produce it, uh, and, you know, she was a very accomplished um performer when she arrived here from England via Kenya. Uh, and then the other other thing that was quite extraordinary was was how the Mavis Brampton show pushed the limits. And she apparently based it on um, David Frost and said, well, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And, of course, it rated and worked despite um, network executives saying you can't do this. So um, full <laughs> credit to her, like an absolute trailblazer before her time. And, and is that yeah. the only time that a network executive has got it wrong? <laughs> where they, I think where so. They, where they thought they knew Luckily, what the Luckily, public... Robbo, that was in the past yeah, and many things right. have changed since yeah, then. Hasn't it just? <laughs> the yeah. only recorded uh, instance. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, Carol Ray, what a legend. But now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. There's a new Labor government and a new leader of the media union. Erin Madley has been given the top job, succeeding Paul Murphy. She's been a member since 2007 and says she's excited and proud for her new role. One of the people responsible for bringing such hits as Old People's Home for Four-Year-Olds, the newsreader and Bluey to the screens, has announced his departure from the national broadcaster. For the past four years, Michael Carrington has been Director of Entertainment and Specialist at the ABC, but has announced he'll be leaving in July to return to the private production sector. There's a new sheriff in town at Wynn Television. Nathan Patrick is now the commercial director for regional TV and he's been with the network since 2006. The Seven Network's number one drama is returning to the screen and the skies. RFDS has been recommissioned and will return to the network next year. 
the star-studded drama was nominated for three TV Week Logie Awards. I'm so cynical about this. I love that show. I'm so happy oh, it's no. coming back. I loved it with you. I am so glad it's coming back. It is bullshit that they went, oh, it won some awards. Well, we might give it another season then. It's probably expensive. It's not like it's the next year. There's a year air gap in this. And that is Hatches and Dispatches. Back to you, Rob. Thank you, Sarah. Well, to the ratings race now, and Seven was back on top this week with a weekly network share of 28.7, but Nine wasn't far behind on 27.2. In third was Network 10 with 18.9. ABC followed with 16.5. SBS enjoyed a comfortable 8.7 share. Seven also took out the primary channel race ahead of Nine with 10 narrowly beating the ABC. Multi-channels continued to be Seven's game with both 7.2 and 7.8 gaining a 3.5 share each. 10 Peach was third again with 3.1. The reality race will change shortly with Celebrity Prentice one and done, but nothing's changed significantly in the ratings with MasterChef continuing to dominate. But while many viewers were preferring the ABC options of The 7.30 Report, Australian Story and Gruen, and yes, Mark Lee Sales said I could call it The 7.30 Report. Thank you very much. (laughs) The 10 polls at 7.30 on the commercial networks are seeing a significant lift in plus seven numbers. As we turn the clock, the way black clock, to week 23, which was week commencing 29th of the 5th, we can see the voice grand final was the number one entertainment with 1.458 million viewers. That includes 833,005 Cap City overnights, plus 452,000 regional, plus 148,000 BVOD broadcast video on demand. Overall, it ranked number six behind the news services. Have You Been Paying Attention on 10 was next at number 10 on 1.121 million. Home and Away lifted to a touch over a million to sit at number 15. Seven's The Chase was at number 16 on 990,000. And the Monday edition of MasterChef snuck into the top 20 at number 19 with a total TV audience of 917,000. It's five cap city overnight figure had been 593,000. Also worth noting that the Monday episode of Seven's Big Brother saw a 42% rise, achieving a figure of 773,000, a big jump from its Metro overnight figure of 363,000. Have You Been Paying Attention was the number one program in 25 to 54s, not just in entertainment, but including news. It was number one overall. Malk, any surprises in that lot for you? Gosh. Um, I just want to clarify really quickly, Rob, that the percentage uplift isn't compared to Five City Metro. It's compared to the national figure. So that percentage uplift isn't just compared to the 300-odd thousand that Big Brother pulled on the night. It's Big Brother's Five City Metro plus their regional figure. That's the percentage uplift it's compared to. So just to clarify that. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, To be honest, this was the first week we're doing plus seven, so... We'll work those bumps out and make sure. that clear as we go forward. That's not a problem. The the um, Look, the real interesting thing is uh, MasterChef is almost unchallenged at 7.30. Even though it kind of has built to this, there's no question, and I know it's coming to its last legs soon, soon, um, it has seen away Big Brother and seen away Celebrity Apprentice without question, at least on yep. overnights. Um Big Brother is getting a pretty... Interesting, Mulk. There is chatter within the industry at the moment that they know that every every spend needs to bring return mm. because they know 
that people won't just watch a 7.30, 10 poll and then leave. They know that they have to fight to get the eyeballs there at 7.30. It was a big discussion mm. taking place at the Logies, I've got to say, about where the viewers are and what's happening. And there really did seem to be some interesting chatter about the need for 9 o'clock shows. So you know I've been banging on about this for <laughs> oh, a long time do now. We, do we know that? I know that. There actually seems to be some thinking within the industry that maybe they need to do that. A hard thing is investment when you're having to take these gambles because as you have fewer eyeballs, you have mm. to reduce budgets. Yes. But you need to roll the dice and say, look, you know, and I genuinely do believe strip programming Monday to Thursday at 9pm is something needed, but not just any program. It has to be the right program, obviously, because as a consumer, I have no idea. Outside of have you been paying attention on 10 around that 8, 30, 9 o'clock mark, I don't really have any concept of what's on when, right? I stumble over them. I find them on catch-up. So the, to me, as a consumer, if you want me to have a destination each evening before I go to bed, you need a 9 o'clock stripped show. And here's, here's the challenge. There are three great examples of how a primetime and its follow-up show are helping the, 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 the network at least win, if not those slots, certainly most of the night. Tens mm. MasterChef into Have You Been Paying Attention on Monday, Tens MasterChef into the cheap seats on Tuesday, and then the ABC owning Wednesday night almost unequivocally. Yep. Um, yep. It's and and that's their you know traditional comedic ish night. They've they've done a great turn with it. Uh, it's it's such. But that's a, the thing with that that breaks the rules of strip programming because the ABC Wednesday nights has always been that destination for that kind of programming. Sure, a bit of comedy night, you know. So even in my dullard head. I know, Wednesday night's comedy on ABC. The solution for, for any kind of strip program really needs to be a 9.30-ish time slot. The problem is going to be it's going to get in the way of things. You work that stuff out. But the what the budget for the, a program at that time of night is going to be so wafer thin, it will be almost impossible to do in a way that gives it the credit because the audience... And you also have to be almost making that program, acknowledging that the audience are not all going to tune in at 9.30. They're going to watch it at... 10 a.m., 6 p.m. the next day. Mate, you can do a 40-plus week, 45-week, 48, whatever you want, for under $10 million a year because once everything's in place, you can do it smart sure. and you can have a great show. Well, this goes back to a conversation from a few podcast episodes ago where I think it was James Warburton talked about, or it might not have been him, I apologise, um, amortising the cost of particularly drama um, across the life of the program, not across, across the life of the run. That and maybe I read it somewhere else. Uh, that the idea that if you're going to say, look, say you spend, and I'm pulling numbers out of my bum, ten million dollars on a ten episode drama, say, um, mm. and you think I'm going to recoup that money in those ten airings on free to air, you know, in first run, maybe I'll get it in a little bit of on selling or, or repeats later. No, you actually have to think we're going to put it up on our you know catch up service, or we're going to on sell it to a stand, or do something like that. Blah 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 blah. The actual monies that you will get in across that have to go for a much longer time period. And when you think about how am I going to return my investment, you cannot get it back in its first run window anymore. It's just not possible. Hmm. And that's that's True. seized up the industry around how they want to spend money. There needs to be that kind of visionary rethink about how networks see the cost-benefit return on their investments. Well, there's plenty of chatter going around, I can tell you that. All right, let's open the TV binge box and find out what everyone has been watching. Sarah, what have you been watching while you're in Australia? I've actually been 
flicking around quite a bit, um, and I found that I know I'm you actu- were watching my Logie's red carpet interviews. I was, um, and then I was watching actual television, <laughs> which <laughs> surprises everyone. <laughs> but no, so like, and, and predominantly ten. Like, I've actually been enjoying all of their evening stuff. So um, I watched the cheap seats. Have you been paying attention? I even watched some of the project, um, and then on the ABC. Why? Sorry. Why couldn't 10 do Have You Been Paying Attention on Monday and then do The Cheap Seats Tuesday to Thursday? Stripped programming like that. I know uh, the reason I say that is I know Working Dog won't do Have You Been Paying Attention. They won't do The Cheap Seats week. the same way either because it's, it's, it works best in that single hour in that context and the amount of effort they pour into that each week with a very small team, but they make it go. I don't think it's practical, certainly for 10's budget. Well, it is practical. But they don't want to do it, and that's fine. That's not no, what no, working for their dog budget, wants to do. Rob, I know it's practical it's as an idea. Ten million, mate. I'm telling you, it can all be done for ten million. Um, so then I also switched over to the ABC and I watched Arn's Brush with Fame, um, which was I think Kate Sobrano. And then um, Arn's Brush sh- with someone else painting. Oh, his hang fame. about. Now we're getting oh, a bit hush. whatever. And then um, th- there was a there was Google a show. It, kids. I- Google it. Shush. I'm doing my thing. Um, <laughs> There was a TV show on the ABC that I'd never heard of before, and it just came on, and it was called The Good Karma Hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's about a woman who goes to India, and they have, like, this little tiny... It was like a country practice set in, like, tropical India. Yes. And um, it was actually really good. Like, I enjoyed it, and I would totally go back and watch more. The highest-rated um, program then, on Saturday night, other than the news. Huh. Well, it was good. I could see why. Um, I watched The Logies, and then after The Logies, I watched Top Ten of Everything... The Logies oh, edition. That was, fun. that was actually really good. And then the other very exciting thing I did this week, um, which was on a screen but not television, is um, I went to a special screening of Elvis at the event cinemas. And if you have not seen the new cinemas yet, they are amazing. Like you can lay back, they bring you food. It's really, really good. Um, and Elvis was outstanding. Like I've seen just like reviews all over the place. It was amazing. Awesome. All right, Philip, what have you been watching? Very school, Mum. I took a leaf out of all your books and thought I'd check out Celebrity Apprentice, Big Brother, MasterChef. So I've been flicking around those for the past week. Uh, I I could have liked Celebrity Apprentice if I got into it early enough. Big Brother's just lost the plot for me. All those games games are just irritating. I just think I don't want to watch you fucking flick a ball on a stick or something. I just, yeah, I I just want to see you pick a pimple in the mirror or, you know, talk about something <laughs> disgusting. But that's you what know, Big Brother is know. to me. And I know I'm winding the clock back. So, sorry, Reggie, no Big Brother for me. Um, I've also watched a bunch of movies. Uh, Spectre, the Bond movie. Shit yes. Bond movie, don't worry about that. Um, tried to watch Red Dawn, which is an one of Chris Hemsworth's first the, movies. Oh, the, the, the second one? Okay. Uh, it's dreadful, but it's so bad. I'm actually going to give it another go because it's laughably bad. It's like fall off your chair, laugh at the terrible script and acting. So that was a real find. Uh, and I took one for the team or for Sarah and watched the first episode of NCIS Hawaii. <laughs> They're all pretty. It's just a bit like fairy floss crime TV, and that's okay. You'll fit right in, Sarah. Um, I have watched the first four episodes of 
season four of Westworld. Uh, I had a preview of those, hmm. and it's yes. brilliant. Really, really love it. Um, I'm so in. Can't wait to see the rest of the season. It's not one that you can just jump in if you don't know what's going on, though. Oh, no. It's a little bit You rough. have to. You can't jump in at season four. At I least could... read or watch the final episode of the season before. And if you havenven't seen season three, you're cooked. Or do what Catch our producer up. Abby does. She goes online to YouTube and gets... Uh, watches the five-minute recaps of each season for shows. Mm. So she catches up. Um, helps. Uh, it certainly does. Uh, we watched 13 Going on 30 on Stan, just a nice family movie. Uh, of course, I'm watching Big Brother, and we're doing the um, Big Brother eviction interviews. Tully was last night. She was really interesting. There's some good ones coming up. Uh, I went back to the well of 9 out of 10 Cats does countdown it was season five episode one which is a long time ago i discovered and that was on britbox i discovered god's favorite idiot on netflix i watched a couple of episodes i'm sort of enjoying it i'll watch it again not really it's not must watch but it's nice it's nice um I've got to say, because I'm not doing the, uh, I was off with COVID and not doing the radio show. I did, I usually watch the Today Show so that I can use grabs on the radio show, right? So I watched Sunrise. It's a very slick production, very different to the Today Show. While there might be some format um, uh, identical formats along the way, the way they do it is very different. It's a very fast show, sometimes too fast. Uh, Koshi will ask someone a question. And then because they're answering more than taking more than 20 seconds to answer the question, he's given the, yep, yep, okay, right, you know, and trying to hurry them on so they can get to the next thing. I think sometimes there's a bit too much content crammed in or don't ask the last question. If you're not going to let them answer it, don't don't ask that last question. But it's number one. It's a great show. Um, you can see the amount of effort and production that goes into it. I think Sarah Stinson is doing an amazing job. It just, maybe I'm getting old, but at times it just seemed too fast and I felt like the hosts were being rude, cutting people off. Um, and Don't forget, she's not EPing it. She's just director of morning television. She's the director of morning TV, though. Uh, everything's ultimately her call. Well, I would say that there's a lot that's the executive producer's call and Sarah would be working with him to make sure that it suits their grand overall plan. Absolutely. But she's not going to necessarily have minutiae detail concern I about agree what... with that. And and she's obviously thinking big picture and how they're doing. And yeah. I will say, always been a great cast, still is a great cast. And, uh, you know, compared to today at times, I think it is a great cast who've got lots of chemistry. I just think they're trying to force laughter at times and say, oh, this is the segment where we have to be silly and dance and, <laughs> you know. Um, but I still like today. I'm just... Yeah, it was interesting to compare and contrast. And I drop a little bit of a bombshell, uh, not a bombshell, just an interesting point about that Logie. Talk yourself up. No, I, I, mate, I can't help. It's the promo writer in me. I've got a bombshell for you. No. Um, one of the interesting things that I learnt at the um, Logie's recovery brunch, the Channel 9 thing, was with The 100, which is back for another season, um, they're going to do a segment called Couples Counselling where a couple that's having an argument will be there and the hundred get to decide who's right and wrong. I love this idea as a segment. I think it would actually mm. make a breakout show. I think this could lead to hilarity when you've got a couple that are absolutely fighting over something but probably been fighting for years and the hundred give the ultimate verdict. I, I really love that. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. 
Robert, Judge Judy you... by any other name. Sorry? Judge Judy by any other name. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, Robbo, what have you been watching? Um, I'm still sticking with uh, Mad Men uh, Modern Family, but I did have a dream the other night where I was producing a breakfast show that was hosted by Mike Carlton, uh, the radio what? presenter. And Peter wow. Dutton. And Peter Dutton was... <laughs> He was getting really annoyed with me when I was trying to tell him that he needs to be more empathetic and if he uh, just listened and stuff. And he stormed out. This is in a dream, of course. Uh, and Mike mm-hmm. Carlton turned to me and said, don't worry, mate, he's a C-U-N-T. And that was the end of the dream. Well, consider that's pop calling the kettle black from Mike Carlton. Uh, but anyway. Uh, that was my dream. Wow. Sorry, I've already Mike been Carlton, blocked by, by him on Twitter. Uh, Mike, oh, I love Mike Carlton. Watching? He's great. <laughs> wow. Uh, look, I'm still watching the Logies because it's still going. Um, the, the We had to throw that gag in, didn't we? I'm desperately um, and hotly anticipating and just do not want Obi-Wan Kenobi to end. Oh, The final episode is yeah. this week. Yes, I've been watching oh, that. Forgot, sweet amazing, Jesus. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, it just, it was pointed out to me, um, somebody pointed out that uh, there's been some memes starting to fly around for the fact that, you know, here's Princess Leia as a 10-year-old ostensibly, uh, and the Solo movie that has Han Solo as like a 21-year-old or whatever it is, um, maybe it just gets a little bit creepy when you add eight <laughs> years and put them in Star Wars, and there she is as an 18-year-old and he's 30. Um oh. It's the other side of the galaxy. It's in a galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, they had different values, mate. You can't judge them by Earth standards. Rob, Rob. Well, it's a thousand light years away, so maybe they're actually only 800 years apart. It's it's a meme. (laughs) It's not real. The show, it's not real. It's okay. It's it's just a thing. Um, But, yeah, I'm so keen to see it, and and I just don't want it to end. So I'm desperately keen to see that happen. Also, and this is big props to Disney+, Plus. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is still in some cinemas and it drops on their screening service like proper for everybody tomorrow night, Wednesday night podcast. Love that. Such a smart move. That, mate, that that gap between the first and second window is officially all but closed. So that's 45 um, days I think they're doing. But um, Mate, it's still in cinemas. It yeah. only premiered three and a half weeks ago. Uh, it's a 45-day window, right? From when it ends at the cinema. Not 45 days from no, no, no. it starting. Disney are doing a 45-day window from when it premieres to when they run They it are on transforming the window, but this is the first time that they've done this where you can actually go and watch it in a cinema or sit at home and sure. watch it with a Disney Plus yeah, subscription. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's some big news, and I'm, I'm keen to see it because I missed it. Oh. Oops, I've just been busy. Oh, no, no, I just didn't get a chance to get out to the cinema. I did get to see Top Gun, loved it. We'll go back and see it again or buy it as soon as yeah, I can buy it. You'll have to wait a long time to see that on a streaming service because the window for that streaming is much, much longer. I'll buy it as soon as they let me buy it. It's just going to be – it was just so fun. I loved it to bits. Uh, I, too, dodged into Westworld, which is coming shortly to um, Foxtel, Fox Showcase, uh, Season 4, and I was confused, so I had to go back and read some recaps uh, oh, really? to catch up. But once I once I caught up with where we were, I'm in. I'm in for the whole season, as confusing as it is. I also um, – uh, finished off the boys, which we got sent the final episodes on preview, which appears on Prime Video. And this season, season three, I mean, if you thought it started weird and ugly and, and amazing, it does the same at the end, though I think they pull a couple of punches. But season four, we'll bring it on. Um, 
Look, Celebrity Apprentice, I've hung in there. I will absolutely watch the finale tonight. I'm a little bit underwhelmed, except to say that I thought that Benji Marshall's pitch to Stan in the penultimate episode last night absolutely should be a documentary that they pick up. I know it was just for the premise of the show, but jeepers, he pitched the guts out of that and by his own admission had no idea what he was doing. So good, so smart. And the telling line for mine, Philip, I'd love to get your take, was when he said, because the idea was he pitched this, who is Benji Marshall? Um, Because everyone sees him as a footballer and don't know who Mm -hmm. he is behind the scenes. And he said, even I don't know. I'm still working it out. That's a great line. I thought it was an amazing pitch, and I was thinking, I bet, bet there's people all around the country thinking, how can I exploit this with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know it was filmed a while ago, and his star is only continued to rise on Foxtel in their commentary situations. Like, yeah, Stan would be nuts not to actually put that in development. Well, thank you, Mog. And I've got to tell you that uh, even though we did a big Logies rap, we're not that far over. So thank you for joining us for this edition of the TV Black Box. We'll be back again next week. For more stories, exclusives, reviews and the like, go to tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the industry get their news. I'm Rob McKnight. You've been joined by Sarah Monaghan, Mog, David Robinson and Philip Kosh. We'll see you next week. 